So I've always known that I wanted to be a dad when I was growing up in Columbia, Missouri, but I also knew I was gay. So I wasn't sure how that was exactly going to happen. I uh, am the second of four boys in my family of origin, and the daughter my mother always wanted. <laughs> I love to bake. I spent a lot of time with my mom in the kitchen. Uh, my three brothers were really good at sports. I was terrible at sports. And so that gives you a little window into the dynamics of my childhood when I was growing up. And uh, you should find it ironic that I'm raising 15-year-old twin boys who are in high school and do nothing but play and watch sports. <laughs> we uh, subscribed to our first pay-per-view fight the other night. And I was kind of waiting for some high kicks or some show tunes, but it just didn't happen. It would have been much more interesting. I had to go to bed early. Um, my husband Desmond, who's sitting right here, and I have been together for 28 years. We met in New York City. I was uh, working as a maitre d' manager at a restaurant, uh, 74th in Amsterdam, called Coastal. And uh, he was my white knight in shining armor. And we fell in love quickly, and it felt like a fairy tale. And on one of our first dates together, he gave me a tiny crystal castle and said he would take me to Never Never Land. And he has, in a lot of ways. But ironically, our journey to become parents begins about 10 years into our relationship when we lost touch with everything that had brought us together in the first place, and we broke up. I uh, moved here to Nashville. It was a very dark night of the soul for me, uh, but it was also a spiritual awakening for me. I had been raised in a Christian home, and um, the church tends to put out mixed messages for people like me. And actually, Becca Stevens is one of the people that um, reconnected me with my spirit and understanding and a very loving God. So I want to thank you, Becca, for that. Um, So I spent a lot of time alone, walking the park um, and thinking and meditating and reading. And uh, a crazy thing started to happen to me. Every time I'd go outside at night and I'd look in the nighttime sky, I would, I would see the constellation Orion. And I'm not saying like once or twice, like every time that I went outside. If I drove up in my car, I'd open the door. The first place I'd look up, it'd be Orion. And that was in Los Angeles, in Nashville, in Miami, wherever I was. And what started to happen for me was at a time when I felt the most alone in my life, I felt connected in a way that I had never felt before. And I started to understand that I was a part of this universe in a way that I had never really understood before. So after about uh, a year 
of being on my own, I ended up dating a really nice guy named Mike. And uh, it's only worth mentioning because I remember hanging out with a friend of his, uh, Angela Whitaker, who ran a meditation and yoga studio off Music Row. And uh, Desmond and I had, were apart for a year and a half. And then we were able to find our way back to one another. Uh, we had stayed in touch. I had done some work for him here in Nashville. And we recommitted ourselves and um, to one another. And we started talking about the idea of adopting a child. But at the time, we were living in the state of Florida who wouldn't allow gay people to adopt. So we immediately started thinking about surrogacy and exploring that option. And one of the first trips that we took together was to a health retreat uh, in San Diego called Camp Wheatgrass, or we like to call it Camp Wheatgrass, or the Rubber Hose Ranch. And uh, in the opening prayer circle, the word of the day was joy. And then to our right, we met this woman who was named Joy from Ashland, Oregon. And then it felt like we were being bombarded by the word joy. Someone gave us a rune with the word joy on it randomly. Uh, there was an essential oil with the word joy. And we were like, okay, we get the message, joy. Is it the person or the feeling? Wasn't really sure. And before the end of the week, joy, the person, came up to us. And uh, she said that she had been inspired by our story of our relationship and she wanted to offer us an egg. Well, we didn't really know what that meant because we were at the beginning of this surrogacy journey, and, uh, but we knew we needed an egg to have a child. So we were excited, um, and we carried that knowledge with us when we went to India, where we had been invited to be part of a meditation retreat with Deepak Chopra, um, built around his book, How to Know God. And uh, while we were getting ready, I remembered that um, Angela had said that she was one of Deepak's meditation teachers. And I just kind of made a mental note that we'd probably see her there. And do you know who the first person was that we ran into when we arrived at the hotel in Agra, India? Angela Whitaker and her mother, Ruby. And we ended up having the most extraordinary 10-day journey into meditation and into the meaning of God and connection and we became forever uh, and fast friends. So about a month later after we got back from India, Desmond uh, was having lunch with Angela here in Nashville and she said, so what's going on with your baby project? Do you know who you're going to get to carry? And uh, Desmond looked at her square in the face and said, you? She kind of laughed nervously and said, well, to be truthful, I've kind of been thinking about it, and I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. And uh, we had a series of really deep, honest conversations, and we ended up deciding to go pursue this together with Joy's Egg and Angela. Uh, and. Right about then is when Angela told us that on the first night in India, she had a dream that she had our child. So we uh, organized ourselves to meet out in Los Angeles um, to figure out what this baby journey was going to be. But our, 
our hopes were dashed initially by the first doctor we met with who said he wouldn't work with us because Angela had never had a child before. Generally, they want surrogates to have had a child before so they really know what they're getting into. And I had a tearful conversation with Angela on the phone saying, you know, we weren't sure what the path forward was, but it might be a little bit different than what we had originally talked about. But the next day, Desmond and I were set to meet with an agency, Growing Generations, that takes care of all the technical aspects and coordination aspects of surrogacy. And um, they told us that they had a doctor that would work with us, but they would put us through their psychological screening. And uh, that's what ended up happening. We ended up being able to go forward with Angela. He introduced us and put our team together. But one of the first things that they uh, recommended was that we um, get a new egg donor because Joy from Ashland, Oregon was 39 years old and it'd be fine if she wanted to have her own child but to be a donor you really want to be a little bit younger and so that was a really difficult thing for us to get past because Joy had started us on this journey but we we agreed and we moved forward and uh, met with a lovely lady named Myrna who was an egg broker and she represents women who are open to going through a cycle with you and I have to say it's a profound thing to sit at a table about this size with a stack of 20 folders of women who are willing to go through a cycle and donate half of the DNA of your future child a little bit profound and we prayed and we hoped we just asked for help and magic struck because in the middle of the pile Desmond saw folders sticking out and he swore he saw the word joy and we looked through the whole full, whole pile and joy is the one that we stuck with and so we were able to move forward and uh, our first embryo transfer didn't take it failed uh, the doctor hyperstimulated the donor and we lost most of the eggs um, we were discouraged and um, but not that sad because they they had only put in one embryo and our expectations were were pretty low but I had mostly empathy for Angela and for the donor because they had to go through a whole month of shots beforehand to prepare for that moment but we felt supported we felt like the universe was putting up signs that this was going to happen and it did the second time Everything lined up for us. Our donor um, was, we were able to harvest 14 eggs and we fertilized them uh, with Desmond. And uh, we were left with three embryos that were the highest quality that you could hope for. And so Desmond, Angela, and I went into clinical room number four. And uh, while we were waiting for the doctor to come in, we lit a ceremonial candle and we invited the soul or souls of the boys, of the babies to come in. We didn't know it was boys. And the doctor walked in and smelled something funny and said, what's going on? We can't do the transfer here because the fumes might affect the embryos in some way. So they moved us into, the three of us, into clinical room number three. And we had had a incredible series of 33s that would show up as signposts that God was putting up along the way and so we took it that it this was just all part of the plan but 
we had to make the very difficult decision that even though we had three embryos that were the best you could ever possibly hope for, Angela didn't want to carry three babies. And so we put two in, and we felt so sure about this. And um, it, was, it was a peaceful, beautiful moment. Angela had to stay in Los Angeles. Desmond and I traveled back east after the transfer, and we knew that we'd find out in 10 days if we were pregnant. Seven days after the transfer, I was swimming by myself in the pool at sunset, and I see out of the corner of my eye what I think is a flock of birds. And I have to look twice, and it's, it's not birds, it's dragonflies, giant dragonflies. And I'm telling you, I wasn't drinking, I don't do drugs. It was like Charlton Heston, all the special effects in, in the Ten Commandments. That's what it was like. And I just stood there looking at this cloud of dragonflies. And it seemed like one would come down and then go back up. And then another one would go down and go back up. And I just stood there transfixed for like 20 minutes. It's not like this cloud was moving through, going somewhere. It was just there. And I just marveled. And I actually had the thought, I wonder if this could be the soul of the baby coming through. But then I ended up going inside the house and took a shower, and then I, after I got back, I went out and looked outside and the dragonflies were gone. But I called Angela on the phone and I said, you wouldn't believe what happened. I saw these dragonflies. And she said, that's because you're pregnant. <laughs> I said, what? We were so excited. And Desmond was in, uh, in overseas and we had to call him and give him the news. And it was just the most incredible time. Angela spent the first six months here in Nashville, and Desmond and I helped her navigate the roller coaster of emotions that she felt. And I have to say that during that period of time, two dragonflies would show up all the time, like all the time. And, um, and we made the decision that she was going to come to Miami to deliver and live with us for the last trimester. And we just, it was the most wonderful, wonderful period of time. And Roman and Nero were born on May 8th at Mount Sinai Hospital in Miami. And in the crowded uh, operating room, Roman came out first and Nero came out a minute later. And Desmond was right there. And um, I couldn't get over to them because it was so crowded, but then Ruby, who was there taking care of Angela, went over to see the new babies, and I felt like I needed to go over and comfort Angela. So I just sat there stroking her head and with tears running down my face because I couldn't believe that this moment had happened, that all of this somehow was orchestrated by, by God. And so... Um, the nurses brought the little tamales over, swaddled in a little incubator so that Angela could meet them. And we checked, she was doing fine. So Desmond and I followed the babies down to the nursery um, where they were uh, footprinted and weighed and Dancing Queen was playing on the radio. <laughs> I'm, 
swear to God. And I said, this is the most incredible moment. God is great, God is good, and he has a sense of humor. I had never been so close to anything so pure. I had never felt so much love. Never. And I marveled at this journey that this kid from Missouri who knew nothing had gone to New York, had to break up with Desmond in order to come back together and create this beautiful family. That's been the pleasure of my life. And I also, I just have to marvel that what started off as a journey to know God allows me to see God every day in the faces of my boys. Thank you.